Janusz, great to have an opportunity to talk to you today. And I wanted to hear from you a little bit about your latest book, Failed State, A Guide to Russia's Rupture. In it, you paint a pretty chaotic uh, future for Russia internally and, of course, with a lot of spinoff effects for Europe and globally. Comprehensive picture you paint in 450 pages, which I recommend to anybody that cares about Europe or Russia to read and study. Uh, you describe uh, how Russia gets to this precipice and what it means to Europe and beyond and policy implications, which are really important uh, for the West. So uh, tell us a little bit at what brought you to this uh, this work and, and what it means for us. Right. Thanks, Ray. Yeah, I've been working on this for several years and it's culminated in this book, which I actually finished just before the war began, uh, just before Russia uh, invaded Ukraine on a massive basis. And I think actually the war has confirmed many of my findings. Uh, and it's something actually that I've been working on uh, even, I would say, before uh, the, the most recent conflicts we've seen Russia engage in. After Putin came to power, he had a chance to do something with the state, to transform it into a, a civic state, a nation state, uh, but he hasn't succeeded. Um, so I would, I would say, there's, as you said, there's massive consequences, not only for Russia itself as a result of its internal failures, but there's huge consequences for neighboring countries, not only Ukraine, but also, I would say, many of the NATO states. Uh, and let me sort of summarize very, very quickly, as we don't have too much time. I think Russia's failure is based on the fact economically it's dependent on export revenues based on fossil fuels. And that only has a limited lifespan and it hasn't modernized as a state. It's not competitive economically. Uh, the economy is contracting. In fact, there was a very good study just released by Yale University yesterday. Uh, it confirms my findings that the economy is heading for catastrophe as a result of uh, the sanctions, as a result of mismanagement. Also, I would say the Kremlin has failed to achieve its goals in Ukraine. That's very clear. Military casualties are mounting. Uh, there was a report yesterday that uh, at least 40,000 are either dead or seriously injured and can't go back into combat. And that's a huge proportion of the Russian military. Uh, and of course, uh, I would even add that its disinformation narrative is no longer uh, trustworthy, no, no longer believable, even to the true believers. Uh, the idea that NATO was poised to attack Russia, I think, has been revealed as, as nonsense. I mean, Russia is so vulnerable now, NATO could basically just walk in and grab territory, but it won't. Lastly, I would say before turning over to you, uh, the intelligence networks in Russia are collapsing. One of the things that they prided themselves on throughout the communist period and beyond was the fact that they had very good military and, and, uh, and foreign intelligence. They weren't aware of the strength of the Ukrainian army. They weren't aware of the resistance politically of the Ukrainian people. Um, all this indicates to me that Russia is fading in so many areas uh, that it's moving towards what I would call rupture or potential disintegration. But let's hand it over to you, Ray. What, what, how, do you, um, how do you see NATO responses to what's happening now in Ukraine and, and in Russia itself? Yeah, I think anybody that's uh, watching this closely is, on one hand, very struck by the solidarity, unity, and strength that NATO has responded with, and, and largely transatlantic community, and I include the European Union. But on other uh, or many important issues, there's definitely uh, cracks and seams that Russia continues to try to exploit. On the energy front, especially getting a common agreement on where we're going to go with oil and gas vis-a-vis -vis Russia 
And then also uh, our response, the NATO response as far as military uh, forward positioning. So when you come to uh, the recent NATO summit, some declarations are made, but nothing um, as concrete as someone like me might have hoped for, but definitely some positive uh, signals from NATO. Uh, uh, the United States uh, took the lead on some of those, but basically the challenge will be in the future, I think, the dichotomy of those who are in, in the Western camp who think uh, Russia can be negotiated with and there'll be some kind of a settlement um, leaving Ukraine, I think, in the lurch, or those who are taking a more stronger approach, and that those would be uh, primarily the United States, UK, Poland, and allies in this region where Poland is. Uh, so that's how, kind of how I see it, and that's a debate um, that needs to uh, get resolved in the West. Yeah. Look, Rafe, if I could jump in, just want to get one point in before we close. I think it's very important, despite the fact that Russia internally is facing major turmoil, it disguises the, its own failures through external aggression. Now, this has been the case, I think, historically. In other words, NATO, you're absolutely correct, NATO needs to be prepared for any kind of, let's say, provocations, any kind of um, uh, actions along its borders that Russia may engage in to try and, let's say, mobilize the public and disguise its own failings. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And that's why I've been calling for for some time. And uh, in this term, NATO forward defense, sort of a, a flashback to uh, the Cold War, what we did to strengthen our forward defenses. And what I think needs to happen, we need to reinforce all eight of the forward position brigade uh, uh, battalions uh, battle groups into brigades. We need five uh, NATO uh, maritime groups. We need two U.S. divisions forward. Uh, we started uh, to get that way. We need to do much more. Thank you, Janusz. Thank you, Ray. All the best.